on my heart because it is, it is so uh, relevant to where we are uh, in our nation today, not, not just because of this cultural moment right now, but just who we are as America, where we, we, we have taken God for granted. And it's easy to look out for our own interests. And we can care less for the interests of other people. We're in a corporate culture where it's like a dog-eat-dog world. And in order for you to rise, you, you, you basically got to become a snitch and you got to uh, push down everyone else in order so you can keep climbing. We're in a culture where the rich seems to get richer and the poor seems to get poor. This, this, this is, these, these words that God has for us in Amos this morning are relevant, relevant to us today. So this is why I encourage you to take the time to read through the entire book of, of Amos on, on your own and to uh, do a small study. We, we did our weekly Bible study, and we went through the book of Amos. There's some, uh, some resources on the website for that. But uh, the reason being is as we do this high-level survey of just looking at the entire book, it would be good for you to get into, get into the weeds to see, like, man, this is going on today. And that the fact that God's word was relevant in Amos' time and his word is still relevant to us today testifies to just how awesome God is and how wise God is. Uh, but, but one thing about the book of Amos that I'm encouraged about is the fact that uh, because we can see these events right now, we, we know that God sees us. God sees the situation. God sees the circumstance. He knows what's going on. Like Sister Anna said, he, he would not leave us nor forsake us, and we just need to trust in him with all our heart. Lord, I don't understand, but I'm still going to trust you. Lord, but it's hurting right now, but I'm still going to trust you. Lord, I, I can't make up from down, but, but I'm still going to trust you. There is something about placing your full trust in the Lord. Would y'all be able to cut me down in the monitors a little bit? I'm getting a little echo. But in this fifth chapter, God calls out Israel, watch this, because of their false national religion. They have this religious narrative that they are following, and it's not biblical Christianity. It's this, this national Christianity that everybody's just kind of going along with because everybody else is going along with it. And this, this, this false national religion is a hollow religion. It has no depth. It has no meat. It's only this thing you put on like a badge of honor and you just kind of wear, I'm an Israelite, and I go to the temple and I observe the Sabbath. It's this, this, this false, fake worship. It's hollow, but, but not only is it hollow, because it's hollow, that means it's worthless. This religion, it doesn't do anything. It doesn't stick to your bones. It doesn't leave the seat when you leave the seat. It doesn't go into your house. It doesn't go into the highways or the byways. This is the type of religion that is worthless because it's not helping anybody but themselves. And God is angry. Beloved, when we look at America right now, we see Plainly, there is a false national religion, this American Christian nationalism where you're only a Christian in, 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 in word, but you're not Christian in deed. You say you're Christian, you say you worship, but then you get on Twitter and Facebook and you blast everybody who doesn't have the same opinion as you. You say you're a Christian and you say you love Jesus, but when it comes to helping someone who is marginalized and oppressed, you can't be bothered with them because that, that, 
That ain't my business. I ain't going to worry about it. We live in a nation that, that claims to love Jesus, but, you, but people are trying to make us to make a decision between lives and money. This false national religion is close. We're in the midst of it. We're in the thick of it. But, but let's not be too worried about the religion that's going on out there. What we need to be mindful of is the religion that's going on in here. And the question we need to ask ourselves today is, are we holding to a false national religion? Beloved, I believe this is a fitting question because as we gather once again corporately, the Lord has been pressing, pressing, pressing on my heart. And, and the question that he's been uh, having me wrestle with is, 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 is all of this because of us or if all of this is because of God? Do we miss going to church on Sundays because we really miss the corporate worship or it's just, it's just something that we used to do and we can't do it no more and I want my rights, so I want to get back in church? Is, is church really about us or is it about God? And God is dealing with Israel for their false national religion. He's saying, y'all don't really love me, you just love yourselves. And he breaks it down here in the fifth chapter beginning with the 21st verse. Amos, the fifth chapter, verse 21, he says, this is the Lord speaking, I hate, I despise your feasts, and I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer me your burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. And the peace offerings of your fattened animals, I will not look upon them. Take away from me the noise of your songs to the melody of your harps. I will not listen, but let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. You may be seated. In this text, I, I believe the Lord is pointing us to a title, uh, a subject title, God's Demand. For authentic worship. God's demand for authentic worship. Let us pray. Oh Lord God, we come before your the majesty and the marvel of your word. And I beg that you would allow us to draw near to you because of your Holy Spirit and the shed blood of Jesus. Would you please give us eyes to see and ears to hear? That we would uh, indeed love your word. We will hunger and thirst for righteousness. We will earnestly seek you through your word this morning. And Father, I ask that you would minister to us where we are, that we would, we would let go of all the, the, the inauthentic worship that resides within our hearts and we would pursue you genuinely. Father, please bless our time together in the word. We do love you and thank you. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. So when you think of the word authentic, authentic, what comes to mind? When you think about authentic, those words genuine, trustworthy, uh, uh, real, true, like, like all those words begin to come to mind. When you think about the word authentic, you begin to think about authentic friendships, uh, authentic uh, food, authentic uh, merchandise. Like if, you, if you're looking for uh, 
some brand name gear, like some Gucci or some Prada, like you're you probably not going to go to the Peddler's Mall and find something authentic. Like you, 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 you're not pulling out some, some Jeezys from someone's trunk and, think, and thinking that you, you, you got the name brands. You, you're probably thinking uh, when you have a, a, a hankering and a hungering for some authentic Mexican food, your first stop is probably not the local Taco Bell because you know that's not the real thing. It's just, you know, our American version. Authentic, real, genuine, true. See, one of the biggest issues with something being inauthentic is that it, it perpetrates or purports, it purports itself as being authentic. See, when something is inauthentic, it is actually trying to, trying to fool you, trying to deceive you, trying to make you think what you have is actually the real thing. So when you go get that, that nice purse and it, and it got the, the Gucci brand on it, but then you look on the inside and it's like made in Bangladesh and you're like, no, nah, this ain't the real thing. And it, but, but, but when they sold it to you, they told you it was the real thing. When, they sold, when, when you gave up your time and your money, you thought it was the real thing. And I think that's one of the reasons why we hate inauthentic so much. I don't know anybody in here who, li- who likes a fake. We hate fake. And beloved, if we hate fake, I believe, I certainly believe, I know that our God in heaven hates fake. But this is, what is, this, is, this is what has come to in Israel. In their economic prosperity, their, mili- uh, their military conquest, their worship of God had become inauthentic. One of the uh, charges that God lays at Israel's feet is that they keep doing church, but their lives weren't being transformed. The same person that showed up week after week after week to the temple was the same person that left week after week and went home. Nothing in their lives changed as they propped up and endorsed a society filled with corruption, injustice, and evil. They, they, they turned a blind eye to all the evil and wickedness. As a matter of fact, not only did they turn a blind eye to the wickedness, but they helped to continue and perpetuate the wickedness. Beloved, there is a type of religion that is inauthentic because it lacks impact. This is our big idea for today in the text. Authentic worship. It's authenticated by righteous living for God in this world. Authentic worship is authenticated by righteous living for God in this world. God wants us to understand what takes place outside this building is just as important as what takes place inside this building. He's saying that if you're going to worship me inside your synagogues and temples and church. If you're going to worship me when y'all get together, then you need to worship me when you ain't together. And that is so important, especially in a time of COVID, because it's easy to get by yourself. It's easy not to get up. It's easy not to get up and just turn on the TV to worship with the saints. It's easy not to be bothered about your Bible study time. It's easy not to be bothered about praying. Ain't nobody checking on you. It's easy just to be you. 
But God is saying, if you have an authentic worship in your heart, then you're just not worshiping me on Sunday when you get together in front of everybody. You're worshiping me all the time. And not only that, people will see your life, and your life will have an impact on those people, and then those other people, and those other people. And then because of who you are, because of how I've been working in and through your life, an entire uh, a city can change, an entire state can change, all because you have authentic worship. Worship of God should work itself out in how you live within this world. This is what he's pointing to in the text in verses 21 through 23. In verses 21 and 23 of the text, we see that God rejects inauthentic worship. He's rejecting their inauthentic worship. You see here, he says, I hate, I despise your feasts. I take no delight in your solemn assemblies, even though you offer me your burnt offerings uh, uh, offerings and, and grain offerings, I will not accept them. And the peace offerings of your fattened animals, I will not look upon them. Take away from me the noise of your songs uh, to the melody of your harps. I will not listen. At this point, Israel was guilty of a whole lot of things. Israel was already guilty of greed. Israel was already guilty of corruption. It was already guilty of extortion. It was already guilty of all of those things. But God reveals here that Israel's, their, their sin that they're guilty of, it stems from the fact that they are guilty of inauthentic worship. So you think just going through the motions don't hurt nobody. But God is saying when you go through the motions, it actually brings harm on the entire culture. Inauthentic worship this is the bishop definition. You won't find this in, in, in no dictionary. Just, I just kind of came up with it. But inauthentic worship is almost like a form of idolatry. It is a false worship based on self-satisfying routines which cultivates complacency. Inauthentic worship is a form of idolatry, a false worship based on self-satisfying routines which cultivates complacency. So inauthentic worship is you just, you just worship because you, want, you think you should worship. And the worship really becomes all about you. And because you got into this pattern of worship, you're actually just pretty content just doing the bare minimum and going through the motions. And, and Israel, the the people still went through the motions of worship. They didn't, they didn't stop worship. They didn't stop going to church. They kept going to church. And how do we know? But this, this is what the Lord is laying out. He's saying that the people, they still had their religious festivals. They had the Feast of Unleavened Bread, uh, that feast that helped them to be reminded of when they left Egypt. They had to leave so quickly that the bread didn't have time to to rise. So they had a flat bread. They they left. So it reminds them of the death angel and their deliverance. They had the feast of the harvest of how God uh, continually provided every single year for their harvest and how he provided for them while they were in the wilderness. They observed the feast of the end gathering or or the feast of booths uh, and and, and kind of recreating, thinking about their time in the wilderness and how God would overshadow them and kept them through it all. So they, they were going through these feasts that were meant to remind them of God's goodness 
But they, they, instead of being reminded of God's goodness, they were just reminded that they look good on Sunday. They were patting themselves on the back for doing the right thing. They had their solemn assemblies, those, those times, specific times within these festivals set apart for corporate prayer and, and repentance. We see throughout the Old Testament, there were times where a solemn assembly was called. It was a time where you got the people together and it was serious business because you were in sin against God and you needed to confess your sin. They had their solemn assemblies, but there wasn't no real repentance. They had their sacrificial offerings and they would sing. Oh, they, they had songs upon songs upon songs. Coming to church, open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the yards. I just want to worship. And, and they, they had all their songs. I can't live without, like, all their different songs, but the meaning was void because their worship was worthless and empty. In, in modern terms, pretty much, Israel, they had their Easter service. They had their Easter service. Israel, they had their, they had their Christmas Day service. They had their New Year's Eve service. They had, they had their church anniversary. Don't forget church anniversary. They, they had all these type of events and festivals that were supposed to remind them about the goodness of God, and all they thought about was the goodness of their bank accounts. Their worship was empty, empty and worthless, and we see how God responds to empty and worthless worship. He says, I hate it. I despise it. I take no delight in your worship. You, you gathering, thinking, is, you, you think you making me happy by showing up to church every Sunday? You think you doing me a favor? I take no delight. I will not accept it. I won't even look at it. As a matter of fact, take it away from me because I'm not going to listen. And God is letting us know his heart when it comes to inauthentic worship. God does not delight in simple expressions of worship. God does not delight in religious hypocrisy. He He knows what's in our hearts. God is saying, don't offer me your lips if I don't have your life. And beloved, even as I was, I was wrestling with the sermon, I, I, I just began to think how many times I've shown up and gave an, an inauthentic worship. Can I just be real a moment? Because there, there's times, even as Pastor Nate, there's times where I show up and, and I show up because I know I, I'm supposed to show up. And I know I'm supposed to lead, and, I, and I'm supposed to be in front, and I'm supposed to preach. And there are times when my heart is not really in it because, because there's sin even within my heart that if I'm not dealing with, then I continue to give inauthentic worship. How many times have you entered into inauthentic worship just because it was what you were supposed to do? But what God is saying is that worship should, it should almost be like a slingshot. Worship, it, it should be like placing a, a stone in, the, uh, in a slingshot and pulling it back and releasing it. And that stone going 
her hurling at his target with full force at maximum rank. What God is saying is that when we gather for worship, we should come and because our minds are so saturated with his goodness, his favor, how he woke us up this morning, how he started us on his way, how he kept food on the table, he put clothes on our back and, I, and I, we're in our right mind with a decent amount of health. And when we show up and you tell me your testimony, how God's been keeping you, and I tell you my testimony, how God's been keeping me, and we begin to glory in Christ and, and how great a salvation we have, the fact that we don't serve a dead Savior, but we serve a living Savior who is right now seated at the right hand of the Father. When we recount all those truths, we should be like that rock flying out of a slingshot into this world because of the worship experience. But if we show up and we make church about us, we will always fall flat on our face when we walk out this door. God hates inauthentic worship. But, beloved, he gives us a way out. That's why I love Jesus so much. He knows we're failures. He knows we're fools. He says, but I'm still going to give you a way out. And he gives us a way out of verse 24. Because in verse 24, he says, but let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. What God is saying to us here is that authentic worship has actual impact in and on the world. I switched it up on deep. I added a word. Authentic worship has actual impact in and on the world. What, What do we mean by this? See, Israel had become known for praying on their knees. And then, uh, as they were in the temple, as they were with other believers, they were known for praying on their knees. But then as soon as they left, they were known for praying on the knees of their neighbor. And everywhere else, predators, harming. Authentic worship actually empowers and frees God's people to do just the opposite. Whereas inauthentic worship brings harm, authentic worship actually helps. So again, the bishop definition of authentic worship is simply to willingly turn my attention toward God and respond accordingly. That's it. Just to turn my attention to God and then to respond in how he reveals himself. Just just to respond by what he reveals and how he looks. Just to respond. One of the issues within Christendom right now is the fact that, that we come to church week after week after week. God reveals himself week after week after week and we never respond. We don't do nothing with it. Authentic worship says, I'm going to do something with how he has shown himself to me. And the way that we respond, we respond in and on. So I broke that down in because Jesus says in John that he has left us in the world. So, so we heard, we, we've, we've heard like the phrase that kind of summarized because this is actually not a verse. We're in the world, but not of the world. That's like actually not a Bible verse. But, but the principle is there that we are in this world. Jesus has left us in this world for a purpose. 
And the reason why he leaves us in this world, because as salt and light, we bring transformative properties upon the culture, upon this world, upon our family, friends, and loved ones. Because we're allowing the Holy Spirit to work in and through us, that we begin to affect other people. So then, if we, if we truly live out this authentic worship where we're in the culture affecting people, then if, 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 if enough of us get together and we actually, like, for real, for real, act like we love Jesus every single day and, and live this thing called Christianity out every single day, then enough of us will get together, and because we're in the world, we will begin to have an effect on the world where systems of injustice will be broken down. Institutions of inequality will be broken down. Corruption and greed can stop today if just the Christians got together. And because of their effect in the world, we will have an effect on the world. This is, that, this, this is why when, when, when God saves us, he doesn't just take us to glory right away. He has a job for us to do. But we can't do it if we're not responding correctly. How do I know? How do I know that he wants us to have an effect in and on the world? Where well, the text says, but let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. What, what, what God is simply saying is, I don't want your worship. I want change. Because they're in a culture where there is no justice. He said, I want justice. They're in a culture where it's just kind of, you do your own thing. You do you. Whatever unrighteousness or whatever that is, you just do you. He says, no, I want righteousness. What God is saying in, the, in this verse 24, he, authentic worship is life-giving. Think about it. Let justice roll down like the waters. In any area, in any region, if you have a people, the, the only way that life can be sustained is if you have a fresh water source. So God is actually saying authentic worship actually is life-giving. Because if you are living in the culture and having an effect on the culture, those people who are oppressed and hurting, exploited, whose lives don't mean anything, their lives will actually begin to mean something. That's life-giving. To know that your life means something. To know that you actually have purpose. To know that you actually have hope. That's life-giving. To know that, that, that your failure is not you, that's life-giving. To know that your past is not you, that's, that's, that's liberating. The fact that the gospel frees us from who we used to be and, and, and points us towards who God has called us to be, that's liberating. You mean I don't have to live uh, with the guilt of that, of that sin in my, in my life? I don't have to hold that on my back? Jesus says, let it go. I've, I've taken it to the cross. That's life-giving. Oh, I am so grateful that I grew up in a time where there was no such thing as social media. I tell you, the dirt that folks will have on me, Rodney, I'm, I'm just saying. It's liberating to know Facebook wasn't way back when. It's liberating. But, beloved, Jesus is saying, even if all your business is on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, the fact that when you come to Jesus, he makes all things brand new, and just because you used to be don't, don't mean that you have to keep being and that he would deliver you. That's liberating. But that only comes from authentic worship. I can't just go through the motions. But authentic worship is also everlasting. 
like an ever-flowing stream. When everything was kind of dropping in regards to COVID, uh, racial injustice, uh, I knew it was just a matter of time before the news turned. Like, we know protests are still going on, but the news, they... We've been there, done that. We want the next story. It seems like the folks in the administration wants to move on to the next thing. But what God is saying, I am not like y'all. I don't have a short attention span. And if I say I'm going to drop righteousness and justice on you, that means I'm going to keep dropping it on you. I'm not going to change the channel or, or change the subject. I'm going, to keep, I'm, I'm going to keep giving you life. I'm going to keep giving you hope. I'm going to keep giving you deliverance. I'm going to keep giving you me. But it's only through authentic worship. Authentic worship cannot be compartmentalized to temples, churches, or pews. Authentic worship, worship has systemic, institutional, and cultural impact. Authentic worship Helps and heals. This is what God is talking about. If you just go up a few verses to Amos, the fifth chapter, verses 14 and 15. God says, seek good and not evil that you may live. And so the Lord, the God of hosts, will be with you as you have said. In verse 15, what does he say do? Hate evil and love good and establish justice in the gate. The gate was the center of the, uh, the cultural society. All the politics will happen in the gate. All the legislation will start in the gate. And, and, and then he goes on to say, it, it may be that the Lord, the God of hosts, will be gracious to the remnant of Joseph. What he's saying is, if you begin to establish a righteousness and justice at the places where justice and righteousness needs to be established, Israel, then I will relent. I'm not, I'm not going to come for you, and I'm going to allow you to prosper. And what God is saying to us, this is, this is the posture he wants us to have. To hate evil. And love good. Now watch this. Those are character qualities. To hate evil. Text of scripture, the, the psalmist is, begs the Lord to, I, I want to hate the things that you hate. He says, love good. I, I want to I love the things that you love. From that character trait, this, this newfound heart for uh, a hatred for evil and a love for good, what happens next? action. Hate evil, love good, establish justice. Because I've transformed your heart from the inside out, causing you to love the things that I love and hate the things that I hate, now do something with it. Oh, Christians, how often we show up Sunday after Sunday after Sunday do nothing with it. Just as love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, our fruits of the Spirit, social justice would be a fruit of their righteousness here. James 1.27 is a reminder of this. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God 
the Father is this. You see that? So he said, he's saying religion that is authentic, pure and undefiled. That's what he's saying. Does he say it's a religion that you read your Bible every day and pray every day? Of course you need to do those things. Is it a religion that testifies, that shout how? Is, is it a religion that you, you catch the spirit? Is, is, is religion? Is, th- what does he say? Religion that is pure and undefined before God, the Father that is, to visit the orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Authentic religion is a religion that does something with who I am. Stop talking about it. He wants us to be about it. God wants his character to overflow the culture through our worship, works, and faith. Word and deed. For too long, too many of us have had a ceremonial type worship. So I want to challenge you with two questions to think about today. And the first question is, is your worship purely ceremonial? Is your worship purely ceremonial? What do I mean? This is how I want you to evaluate if your uh, worship is purely ceremonial. Is your family better because of your worship? Is your marriage better because of your worship? Are your friendships better because of your worship? Is your school better because of your worship? Is your job any better because of your worship? Or is your worship purely ceremonial? But then secondly, I think this is a big deal. Does your religion heal or harm? The type of religion that you espouse, how you interact and engage with people, are you a source of healing or are you a source of harm? Do you cause others to stumble because of your witness? Do you discourage or do you encourage? Do you shame or do you serve? Are you prideful or are you patient? Beloved, those questions will allow you to inspect your own fruit to to indicate whether your religion heals or harms. Because we've been on the the brunt of a, a lot of harmful and hurtful religion. People just saying anything, doing anything. And it's probably because there is inauthentic worship taking place. Because inauthentic worship has brought so much suffering and pain. 
even as we think of, a, a, of America's original sin. Injustice, racial injustice and inequity from the beginning. Even as we celebrate America's independence, that was only independence for some. And that original sin has brought much suffering and much pain, even though this nation would, quote unquote, testify as being a Christian nation. Be it America's inauthentic worship and idolatry has brought so much suffering and pain. But beloved, before we are tempted to only point the finger at America, may we point our fingers at ourselves because there's another original sin indwelling each and every one of us. And it's the fact we're born with a sin nature. And the word of God reminds us for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And that each one of us, because of sin, we ourselves have brought suffering and pain. But again, I love what God gives us and how we are to deal with this And I think Jesus' answer, what we are to do with this uh, in the fourth chapter of John's gospel in the New Testament, because in the fourth chapter, Jesus is marching through Samaria and he meets a woman at the well. And as Jesus meets this woman at the well, their conversation begins just the fact that you ain't really supposed to be talking to me. And Jesus says, but I'm talking to you anyway. And then she begins to let him know that uh, she's out here to try to get some water. And Jesus says, well, I got some living water. And, and, and the woman goes on to say, well, I want some of that living water. And Jesus begins to, uh, to, to show her just who he is and reveal himself. And then the conversation switches and she turns the conversation into a conversation about uh, uh, how to do church and where to do church. And Jesus says, I ain't worried about how to do church and where to do church. I'm going to turn this conversation back to your own personal sin. How many husbands do you have? And then Jesus, Jesus begins to, to speak to her and to speak life into her and to remind her that it's not about where you worship. It's not about uh, 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 what church you go to. It's not about whether you get on your knees or, or how you dress. It's not about all those external things, but it's about does my spirit live within you? And in John 4.23, he just says to her, but the hour is coming <laughs> and is here now where true worshipers not fake worshipers. He says true worshipers, not those who just show up to church because it's the right thing to do, but those who show up to church because they just love God and they know Jesus has laid down his life. He says the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. Beloved, you ain't got to go far for God to find you if you got authentic worship. You may feel that you are separated from God and he doesn't hear you. But it says that all those who who seek him in spirit and in truth, that that the father's going to find you. He's going to put his finger up on you and remind you that you belong to me. And what what Jesus is saying is phenomenal because he said and is here now what he's saying because he's done stepped foot onto onto this earth and soil, the fact that Jesus came born of a virgin and and, and the fact that he he walked the the, the dusty roads in Samaria, the fact that he was standing before her, he said, and the time is now here. He says, you ain't got to wait on it no more. You ain't got to wait for it to usher in and tear yourself. You ain't got to look back on, but the time is now here. And what Jesus is saying is the fact that I've showed up, anyone who worships me, the father's going to be seeking because they're worshiping in the spirit and in truth. 
And beloved, our primary concern should not be what, when, where, or, or how of worship, but our, our primary concern should be the who of worship. Because my scriptures tell me that if Jesus is my who, then my worship is right. If Jesus is my who, then I know that I got things laid out right. If Jesus is my who, I ain't got to worry about an inauthentic worship. If Jesus is my who, then my worship is authentic because Jesus himself is authentic worship. I'm not saying worship of him is authentic. I'm saying Jesus is authentic worship. How do I know? Because the text of scripture remind me, just like authentic worship gives life, he says Jesus gives life. Jesus gave life to a dead, uh, a dead daughter. He said, uh, get up, girl, and she gets up. He walks by a dead man's tomb and says, come out, Lazarus, and he comes out. And beloved, he's saying to us today, although you were dead in your sins and trespasses, that you can now have life because I give life. That's why he's authentic worship, but not only is he authentic worship because he gives life, he's authentic worship because he's everlasting. Because my text of scripture says, before the world was ever formed, before anything came into being, came into being, that Jesus was and is and is to come. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. He's everlasting. How do I know? Because the text of scripture gives him a nickname, and that nickname is just he's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and he's the end. If that ain't everlasting, I don't know what everlasting is. So if I want to worship God authentically, the word of Christ says I need to come through the cross of Calvary and seek Jesus. When Jesus goes to the cross, we have in his broken body both justice and righteousness. Because in his body, he's the, the lamb of God, the sinless lamb of God, full of righteousness. But on that same cross, it's like the altar where he laid down his life. That, that, that sin would be punished as it was supposed to be punished. And the wrath of God was poured upon him. And beloved, because in his body is both justice and righteousness, then there's text of scripture testifies to us today. When, when we want justice to roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever stream, ever flowing stream, it ain't saying just do justice and righteousness. It's saying let Jesus just roll out on your country. Let Jesus just roll out on your home. Let Jesus just roll out on your job. And justice and righteousness will be right there. Authentic worship is found through repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. Authenticate your worship by trusting in Jesus today. Lord, thank you for your word. Father, I'm sorry that we are a people who are so inauthentic sometimes. But, Father, help us not to pursue things. Help us not to pursue the, the what, when, where, why, or how of worship, but help us to pursue the who of worship today. Have mercy upon us, O oh God. I'm sorry. Help us to live for you. 
the one who is filled with justice and righteousness. Father, we ask that you would be with us as we go from this place, but never your presence. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen.